Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the About Nothing Podcast. Ah, man. I'm afraid for good reasons. I don't even think we should be afraid. We're coming to the end of season two gradually and gradually. And it's been it's been interesting. And I don't even think we expected to to the last this long. But we've added other things. We've, we've added about nothing website to it. We've had our blog up and running for more than six months now. So it's been an interesting journey so far. I, I think that's I think interesting is to say the least. Like yeah, we definitely yeah, we definitely didn't see the website coming, especially this time last year. Or exactly. even for him season two to run this long. So yeah, that's we, something uh, nice one. And we have other things planned for season three. Hopefully, uh God willing, like some of these plans come to pass. We're looking for ways to spice up these things. And anyway, more more on season three later. As for tonight, we have another episode of the pod. We have another show to talk about. Um, and start talking about creepy things. It's, it's funny how, for those that watch the Key and Peel show, it's a proper comedy show, like full-time comedy. Uh, Michael Kijanki and Jordan Peel are just... As in, even for those that didn't watch it, if you, if you see those tiny little clips of it, it's, you know, if, you, yes, if you ever see a snippet it. of it or a picture or something... Like, just if you see, if you see the, that president meme, that president mm-hmm. video meme of Jordan Pillar, that's 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 for me. That's basically it. Like you just see them, you be like, okay, this is both of them. So it came as a surprise when we saw Get Out. Get Out was written and directed by Jordan Pillar. I'm wondering, what what what? Like how did we how did we go from making people laugh to scaring people? Yeah, it, yeah, it's that. I think it's really incredible. And the crazy thing that this. Um, this week, a film association rated Get Out as the best script of the 21st century. Was it is that to good? Be honest, like, to be honest, that Get Out, good. Get Out blew my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. The 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 script, the movie. The, I know there was so much hype. Even I, I, it took me a while to see the movie after it came out, and people were talking about it. And at some point, ninety nine over hundred, like nine nine. Over one day, I'm like, okay, I took my time. When I saw the script, I was like, oh my god, like, oh my goodness, it was everything. So, when after that, he made us, us didn't really hit the heights that get out hit, but it was still a good movie, nonetheless. Like, even from seeing the trailer, I could see that okay, this is this is a different concept. Like, then we saw us, then next thing we know was Candyman, and I'm like, Candyman, if you mention Candyman five times into the mirror, Candyman shows up. At some point, when you're watching Candyman, yes, it's, it's a horror movie and stuff. Then towards the end, it starts to show you that it's more than just horror. There's also the racial undertone attached to the movie about what racism has done to people, people being labelled Candyman unjustly. And what, has, yeah, what do you think yeah. about the movie? And I think the most interesting thing for me was that how, I think Candyman is like black, black pain and black rage to an extent, like response to injustice. The concept of can the, the real Candyman is a response to the framing of Candyman towards black people. Like, like the first Candyman we saw before the even before the intro credits. Like, don't don't matter the person was innocent. It doesn't it didn't matter the police put your name killed yeah. him. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was around. And from there on, it went like that. Like, it, and it wasn't and it wasn't just the and even the gentrification. Like, like white people coming to black neighborhoods. And driving mm-hmm. people out. Basically, the entire point of the country was the rage towards that. 
um, which is and um, which is one of the reasons why uh, Koma Domingo's performance has been made it so terrific. Like, there was a response to that. Because what what really baffles me is that um he he he, he as a child was the first person that he experienced Candyman as a child and he survived before police came in to kill Candyman, right? Yeah. Then how why how he was able to um create um Yaya Abdumatin's character to become the next Candyman. Like that means there was the previous Candyman that was doing the killings. So I wanted people to stick to the story of okay, Candyman is real and what have you. Then decided to transform um Abdul Martin into the next Candyman. Yeah, and, and that was very like very interesting. Like like if if there's no system for black people to get justice and they can create one for themselves. Like with with that character I could, could tell like, oh, yes. To him, this represented a form of at least vengeance. Like even wow. when he said it, like when he said it that it, it wasn't like yes, this time maybe we'll kill your like, grandfather and kill your like ex. But, but a white person watching the movie will probably go on and say, Candyman also kills black people that call him in the mirror. Yeah, but that, that I think that's the thing again. Like if there's no systemic justice, if you just um vengeance and rage, it's going to affect people that is not that is not meant to affect as well. That means the innocent also die when yeah. yes, like it doesn't matter if basically like if you like draw a parallel with like the NSAS protest last year after the shootings, like the burning stuffs, the burning shops, burning even the mm-hmm. innocent shops that they got if there's no justice, vengeance will burn things. Like yeah, even jungle, that's even shooting jungle, jungle justice just becomes exactly. something that affects everybody. And because even exactly. after the NSAS protest, even the whole Black Lives Matter movement in the US after the whole um Please remind me about this this black guy that lost his life after the uh, George Floyd. George George Floyd. Like there were shows that were born and people and um, people lost their livelihood and stuff. But there are some people that lost their livelihood that felt like okay, I'll probably get insurance, I probably might not get insurance, but this is there's, there's a bigger picture. So it just shows that sometimes when I, I was even watching a documentary of something that happened in the early nineties in, in in LA in Los Angeles. There's a particular protest that was even bigger. And deadlier that like deadlier, like more serious than the usual Floyd protest that led it went on for like three to four days in Los in Los Angeles alone. So the police couldn't stop it, National Guard had to come in. It was a massive deal. So these things have shown that if the people in charge, if you don't do the right thing to bring out justice, when jungle justice comes in, it's not going to end the way you want it to go. It's not going to be peaceful. Like Yeah, like, and it's um, not going Malcolm to X- pick and choose. Exactly, like Malcolm X said, if the if um, violence is the language of your oppressors, then you have to respond to them in that same language. That exactly, is. since you guys really understand this language, this is how we respond to you. And but all in all, before we deviate, um, Candyman was was an interesting watch, and I I, I really can't wait to see what John Peel does next. I know it's um, away from horror movies and more exciting stuff. Like when I saw the trailer for Akin. No, I I've forgotten about the game League of Legends in a while. I never really paid attention to it anymore. It's an old game, like 2009. That was like 12 years ago or thereabout. So when I saw the trailer for Arcane, I saw Silco in the trailer. I saw everything. I was like, oh my god, this is Dishonored. This reminds me so much of Dishonored. Like the game. I was like, I can't really, I, I can't wait to watch it. Like the steampunk setting, everything. When I saw the series, 
it blew my mind. For those that don't know, like uh, there's a review of the series on the you know, about nothing website. You can go check it out. But it was hard for me to find the flow. Like maybe I said, like the voice acting of other actors aside, um, Haley Steinfeld. It was hard for me to find the flow to that animation. Like animations don't you don't talk about cinematography, you talk about animations. You just talk about the action scenes, the way the thing was sketched and drawn into it, the movement. Everything about Akin seemed perfect. Yeah, and it's it's so it's so beautifully paced. Like I remember when I watched the first episode, I was like that the whole chase scene from top side to under city. In my mm-hmm. mind it took I in my mind I thought it took like five minutes. Turns out it was like basically the entire episode one. Yes. And it, it went so fast and so and the pacing was so good and it didn't miss anything despite that pacing. Like everything was in there. And despite that it could time jump within those within the uh, three three episodes. And it, and it didn't lose any point. It didn't lose any step in it. And that that's incredible. And and, and normally, normally video game adaptations are very difficult to pull off. Like if if our listeners out there don't know, like most times for the average video game fan. Trying to pull up their favorite video game is almost next to impossible. Resident Evil, I think that's the, the first two Resident Evils did justice to it. After that, they completely lost their way. Um, Assassin's Creed was a complete botch, like they just botched their time for all the CGI, um, the amazing CGI that he had. The storyline was crap. Um, how do I put it? There were so many video game adaptations out there that are, that are completely messed up. It, it's so bad that even now, um, his name. Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg are supposed to star in Uncharted adaptation, which is expected to be released next year. Uncharted is a big game, especially for PlayStation fans. You, already, you can already see these fans picking out things from, from the trailers. Like, they're picking out things already because video gamers, video game fans are very, very detailed. They want to see their game represented well in, in a proper light. So for League of Legends, it's just like a game that is just like a champion game, a battle royale type of game whereby you just pick your character or you pick or you, or you choose a team of five and you fight to have come up for a king is as beautiful as ever seen of the animations the action scene everything the main selling point for me in a king was the storyline the storyline is as good as i have seen from an animation in a very long time yeah and um most video game movies and series always suffer from this whereby i think that they are stuck within doing fan service and not seeming repetitive and boring like okay i think i think the biggest example was mother combat whereby he wanted to do two things at the same time he wanted to be new and yet and he did neither like even assassin's creed to an extent he did uh-huh. neither of them but i think akin is probably the most perfect the perfect series in that regard like and this as there were two concurrent stories so as the crazy thing is that if those two stories ran on their own like just they would have made it. Yes. Would have been then, would then, have been they, then, then, then they met towards the end again. Like, yes, okay, it's not. I mean, like those these two stories come together. They mean something. Like, and it, it's not just fighting or wonderful cinematography. <clears throat> it's about characters looking for something. Like, you tell, okay, this is what drove Jinx to this way. Just, is this it's so obvious? This is what made. Um, Victor become this. I like yeah. The under stories always was terrific. Yeah, this is this is the inspiration behind JC's motivation to combine magic and science. Really connect to the story and say, okay, this is not just something that is extraordinary. Like this, this is not something that is um, unimaginable. These are that you can relate. Really, our circumstances led them to where 
they found themselves. Like, it, it, it was unbelievable. Like, if it's a video game that has a storyline, maybe you're adapting Uncharted, like I mentioned earlier, or you're adapting God of War that has, like, its own storyline. It's a different thing entirely. League of Legends doesn't have, like, a storyline. It's just a game where people just pick characters and they play. So this, for the scriptwriters, for the studios to have come out and say, okay, this is how we relate to them. Honestly, I know... Like I said in the review, like the ugly side about Netflix, I don't know about the numbers, and one way or the other, they will make it. They, they have to make a second season. I, yeah, that's I know the that... crazy because um, I was talking to a friend last week about the series, mm-hmm. and it was like, it's one, you, you could tell that the, and this is Riot Games and 40G Productions had some had serious, like, productive see about how they sell out but when the numbers start coming in, like season two, now season Netflix two, we want, be, yeah. Netflix, we want to be fan service, what the, what the people want. They'll start deviating and start going to oh yeah <clears throat> what what made the numbers come up let's repeat that again instead of being inventive because the thing is that there are so that's there are very many there are many good stories you could tell with this with what the series has opened up yeah like it could it could genuinely make a very good prequel like with of Heimerdinger story like and it will work now my worry is that once Netflix has the um, power and production and everything, even like with even with, like the Squid Game series and the rest, like what was that? Just start changing figures, this sort of story. I just, I just hope they don't find a way to mess up. Um, it's December every time. Like once it gets to the end of the year, a lot of movies have positioned themselves to the end of the year, like Christmas season. Movies, movie studios do every time. And the good news is for for movie producers is that there's no Star Wars, so you can release the movie. Because most times, the fear of Star Wars is the beginning of wisdom. It means you see Star Wars is coming out in December, you take your movie to February or March. You don't want to get in a battle that you cannot win. Because you yeah, know or, or you put it early, like if it's coming in mid-December, put it early. you don't want to put your movie after Star Wars because there's, no, exactly. there's nothing you would do. There's, no, there's whether nothing the, you would do. Yeah, whether the Star Wars is good or is bad, the fans are going to be there. It's going to be the most talked about movie on Reddit on the internet and stuff. So there's no Star Wars this year. Everybody's in a hurry. So like, okay, let's give people the December movie. But apparently the Spider-Man, December 17th. So you might not necessarily win, but it's not Star Wars. So it still it still looks like a very competitive month for movie. There's Spider-Man to look forward to. Um, I think um, um, most of this British spy movie. Yeah, the Kingsman. Kingsman is, comes out in December as well. So there, there seems like there's a lot yeah, Matrix. Well. Wow, yeah, there's Matrix, which, which you thought was going to come out at some point earlier in the year, but one way or the other, it has been moved to December and it's still here. And instead of the Wachowski's director, I think we have just the Wachowski, we have Lana directing yeah. this one this time around. So it's it just begs one. And in terms of Matrix, yeah, everybody was surprised to see um, Renaissance is too old to come out to play Morpheus. I'm sorry, bringing Yaya Martin the second. As Morpheus seems like the right decision for me. You can't bring an older fishbone. How is he going to play some of those fights? And obviously, you can pull it off. But it, 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 I don't know. Until I saw the movie, I just felt right to 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 bring a younger version of Morpheus. And for those that know, for, for those that don't know, like the first three Matrix movie has a deeper, deeper meaning than people know. A lot of people think it's about programming. It's about this. a different world now. Matrix has a deeper, like, deeper meaning. Like, you can go online, go to YouTube, go to so many places and check and the meaning of Matrix is the movie. You will see different conspiracy theories attached to the movie, attached to the movie Matrix. Like, it's, the concept behind Matrix is, is very, very deep. And at that point in time, everybody wanted to be a part of it. 
Yeah, and I think to an extent, uh, Matrix is a revolutionized action films. Like, yeah, yeah. Before, I before Matrix, you can't really, if you can't really, if you think of action films, they are mostly war, war movies. That's mm-hmm. probably you see. You can tell us someone is dodging a bullet and stopping bullets. Yes, at that point, at that time, yeah. And then they, they created a world and everything. And again, as you said, it's deeper than there are so many layers. Like to an extent, it's also about free will. Yeah, it's about about decision making, about, decision-making, about creation, so many things that are layered into the movie matrices. So it's 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 just I know the Wachowskis have not really done anything amazing. After Matrix, I think they did Jupiter Ascending, which was horrible. Like I, I didn't know why they made that movie in the first place. But it's good to see them back on a project that they all enjoy. Uh, it's just exciting. I really can't wait to see most of what most of these movies offer. I know. As a avid Twitter user, the best thing for me to do is just go to Twitter. Anything related to Spider-Man, just type mute on it. Spider, no, no, way, way home. Spider-Man, anything that has Spider, I can't tweet. Just mute, mute it because the chance of you running into spoilers is like it's like two hundred and seventy percent. Like this is a movie the whole world has been waiting for for a long time. And as and as Feige and Tom Holland have promised, this is a different. Like this is something we've never seen before. We've never seen this in a Spider-Man movie before. But the rumor still persists. That's why the fact that them Toby Maguire and um Andrew Garfield have de- denied their involvement, there are still rumors that oh no, they're in the movie. They're in the movie. They're the yeah, movie. and even with it, the way and the way people dissect and bisect the trailer, like, oh yes, maybe maybe they were caught at some this particular scenes and so and it does feel like at least one of them one of them is in the movie because it feels like an a badly kept secret. The way yeah. because because especially you can't really bring those Spider-Man villains from other Not worlds and then them, yeah. leave both Spider. It doesn't really it doesn't fly. So yeah, I don't think it will fly if you have suddenly have Tom Holland fighting against the Sinister Six. Like, yeah, then the entire Six Sinister Six can work. Like I know it's Tom Holland and it's Spider-Man and probably has to change that long term. But I think that's too much to deal with. Like if it's fighting the Sinister Six for God's sake. Not some random villain out of anywhere, so it, it makes sense. And there are rumors of Charlie Cox, who has been confirmed to be returning as Daredevil. Amazing news! I feel like his his, his performance as Daredevil on Netflix for all three seasons was, was mind blowing. So having confirmed as Daredevil in the MCU is another amazing. There were rumors that was going to appear in the movie. One way or the other, he denied it. There are pictures of him being the lawyer for Tom Holland after he was arrested. Blah blah blah, and what have you. It, it, it all makes for an interesting matchup. And for those that are watching Okai, even though I haven't started watching Okai, there, there are also rumors that Wilson Fisk, Kingpin, is supposed to appear in Okai. I, I don't think he, it's Vicente that's playing that character. Yeah, I don't think it's Nofuro. I, I'm, I'm, I seriously doubt that. And I've, start, I've started the Hawkeye series. And like he's, I think the pace is a bit slow. But like what they, I think what they, you can see what they're doing, the point of what they're doing. And especially how, how it ties with the Black Widow movie to an extent. The, the only thing I'm interested in seeing now is what exactly it means for the future of MCU and the characters that follow. Yeah, because we know what What If applies and means for the future of the multiverse. We know what Loki means for the future of the MCU as well, the multiverse and Kang, the um, Conqueror at this point in time. Every other series seems to be pointing towards one thing. Um, Falcon and Rita Soldier pointed to a new Captain America for us. Most of these series have taking us into a different direction for the future. Like, even that's what also provided us with the 
um how do I put it? This uh, the bad Avengers or whatever their name is, with yeah, Joker the Dark and, Avengers, like, Dark Avengers, and what have you. So most of these series are pointing us in a different direction. I'm sure at, at the end of um Hawkeye, probably have more direction towards it. It anyway, um, away from the movies down to uh, unfortunately bullish is not here i didn't think he was planning to be here because <laughs> the minute barcelona needed to go to alliance arena to get a win to secure qualification to the next round you just knew that nah uh-uh. like they were in, they were in trouble no, 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 no. i was like okay could baka pull off some and i then i saw the lineup and they, they didn't even play Omar Richards or Buana. They started everybody. Nagusma started everyone. Like, there was no rest. No, The only people that started replaced, they were injured. Nagusma had said on Monday that Mexican supporters don't need to worry that they going to play a very strong side. I didn't know that it meant a very, very strong side. Because aside Jama Musiala, who started, every other player was expected to start. Like, it was Sane, Coleman, Mula. Like, you're wondering, what's going on? Like, he started you know, Noya for the... Like, and the thing is that, I think, I think you can tell, like, the how Bayern are a class apart from Barcelona and how Barcelona are no longer that team in Europe anymore. Yeah, like, the way they look, and they were so ordinary. You know, like, not even that they were bad, like, they just went good, nowhere near good enough. See, initially, it wasn't... When I wrote my, my Champions League preview for the season, I didn't expect it to be this bad. I had doubts that Okay, no mercy, they might struggle to qualify, but deep down, I still expected that, okay, they'll probably just kill through and scrap through. If um, Ari Seferovic was not as naive as he gets in match day five at the camp now, we won't be having this conversation. Personal would have been done and dusted. Exactly, they would have been out. <laughs> they would have been done and dusted on match five. And the crazy thing that I think they scored only twice in Champions League. They scored twice. In six games. Like, like, there are only two teams that scored less than them. They scored less than Sheriff in Champions League. Sheriff even have two wins to boost up, so I don't think anybody should compare Barcelona to Sheriff. I yeah, think. and I think um, there was something like oh, Barcelona and Europa League now, and um, maybe Europa League is perfecting. And someone was like, they're not good enough to win the Europa League at this point. Because yeah, that's the only, they're be, not really good enough. To be honest, I don't see it. I know that Coman needed to go because it felt like he and um, the Barcelona board were loggerheads. Some players probably didn't want him there anymore. But if there's anybody out there who believe, okay, Xavi has come in, our problems will be fixed, you are, they're as naive as it gets. But Barcelona yeah. have so many layered problems. Like, their problems run so deep that it will take them a long while. And if we're not careful, Xavi might not even be the man to fix it. Yeah, I think to an extent, football fans want simplicity. Like, oh yeah, there's a manager has come. There's a quick, it doesn't, and Barcelona's low, uh, road to recovery is going to be long. Because it's not even, it was, there's financial debts. If this getting knocked out of Champions League has, has caused them financially as well. Like, that's another setback. And the thing is that the thing is, if if they got to the quarterfinal, they would have made 19 million euros. That's the amount they will make if they if they win the entire Europa League. League. They get to the final and win the whole thing. Like that's another problem. And the whole of all of the optimism we have yes, have has come in, is trying to change their habit. So they are not. They are still not good enough. So I think I I think at this point. Yeah, you even worry that we did get to the next next season Champions League, the way the team is structured. The 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 they are, they are financially reading. They're in a lot of debt. They're in a lot of debt. Now, you are trying to extend the contract of Usmani Dembele. 
who is going to cost a fortune to keep because he already earns a fortune weekly. So he's going to cost another fortune to keep. There are talks of, oh, you want to sign Fran Torres, you want to sign Karim Adeyemi, you want to sign Edison Cavani and stuff. And I'm wondering, where are they going to get him when to buy these players from? Like, yeah, like the, 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 the whole Ferran Torres in January, like said, um, all Barcelona need to do is chalk up it's 5 million. Barcelona don't have 85 million. <laughs> They don't have any money to buy anyone because if they had it five million, they would not have gotten the young or loan. Exactly, unless you see by the club. Exactly, so, that's that's as simple as that. So when he, when you suddenly want to get this money from now, because I don't unless there's a clause in Fernandez's contract that say I can go to Barcelona for twenty million euros, twenty five million. Because now I don't know if he's injured or not. He's not featuring for City. Yeah, he's injured. Else. That's. Okay, we're well, not featuring for City despite starting the season on a very bright note for them, and and I'm wondering, okay, but at some point there are even rumors that maybe Barcelona will go for Sterling instead. I'm like, which of the Sterling? Do John Sterling are Reading or Ryan Sterling of Man City? Like even even if uh, Ferrantores or Sterling came for free, they will still have to pay wages. Like it's not it is not an easy at all. By no it's by no means easy, and then. The, um, the weird thing is that what if they get him Ferran Torres for some as you can and then his injury problems continues. Then basically another the embellished situation. Basically, with this, they're, back, they're basically back to square one and they want to renew the embellished contract as well. Also, yeah, because... that, the fact that they are in no rush, they are no bargaining with anybody for nobody can afford the embellished wages, I also say, because of what COVID has done. So, why exactly are you in a rush to keep him? I think, I think the reason why they were majorly in a rush to keep him is Barcelona paid. Over 120 million pounds for Spanning Billy. And imagine after um, 2017 till now, that's five years. It's come 2022, that's five years. Imagine after five years, even when he freeze. Like, let's find, and he hasn't featured prominently at all. There hasn't been anything where you're like, oh, this is the Billy we paid all that amount of money for. He has, he has grown to be the star we expected. We expected him to replace Neymar. He has uh, grown to that level to, to show that he can't replace Neymar. He hasn't done anything for Barcelona. He hasn't achieved anything in Barcelona. Now, Barcelona, in the, in the, they're trying to save face and be like, okay, you know what? Let's just keep him so we don't lose him on the free. Even if we keep him to next time, we sell him or fine. Now, you end up losing him on the free. The entire deal itself is just going to feel like shambles. Like, Barcelona have lost every amount of money, lost wages, lost transfer fees on the entire ability with nothing to show for it. He hasn't has, has played a full season for the club yet. Yeah, yeah but... I feel like Barcelona are in the point where, by okay, yes, they, they have. To, I think they have to just write off some losses and admit that oh, yes, this thing didn't work out. We, uh, we need to do something else because, to an extent, they signed, they got Dembele without a plan to use, and they still do five years, I mean four years on, they still don't have a plan on how to use Dembele. Like that's that's the honest, the honest truth. And, and since then, they haven't really had a plan on how to use the new signings. They signed Frankie De Jong for. Busquets position now mm-hmm. they are basically contradicting each other. Design Griezmann without without really needing Griezmann. Like there was no point in getting Griezmann that, at that point. Because you have better if you actually spend the money you have Felix. So that that's another problem. And at this point, I think they just have to admit that okay, yes, we've done some things wrong and let it, and maybe write some things. Of course, okay, even they say oh yes, let's get. Then bailing in and keeping for find a way if you can sell him. People can first people can no other club can afford the bills with this. And they've seen they've seen the way he has played. His injury prone, his inconsistent. Who wants to spend that money on him? Because they, they can't even get. I know, MLS. 
that because even uh, China's transfer policy, Chinese super league transfer policy has gone down. They don't do that anymore, and they can't. They can't even. They, have, they can't even find a way to, to get rid of Coutinho because of Dembele. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's a constant Coutinho problem. Unless you want to call Newcastle and offer this player to Newcastle to get that amount of money. Because that's probably the only. That's probably the only right. thing, and because you can't even do it at this point because they're still back in relegation. Maybe two years from now or a year. Uh, anyway, I, I feel like Newcastle survive relegation, they need to bring in specific type of players, but that's a concession for another day. Um, sticking with the Champions League, ah, whatever it is, I let's come at you with thinking when you were going into the final game against Porto. I, I, I want some of it because the plan was obviously for straight Porto and it worked magic until Carrasco lost his head. And one way or the other, I know it's VAR and VAR, I still don't know how Wendell got the red card. For that offense, like Matheus could have practically ran into it and fell down. And I think, I think said, it yeah. was the, I think it's the most Atletico Madrid thing ever. Like, like the opposite of fight club, whereby you're not fighting an opponent, you're trying to get an opponent to hit to, you're basically trying to fake corner an opponent. Like, to, and, and, and Atletico Madrid is successful. Like, the worst part is that I don't, they, I, I'm, I don't think they deserve to go through it anyway, because let's be honest, if they are lost. All, all six games in the group stage, it wouldn't have been undeserved because they they were really terrible. They, aside they from really the terrible this year. aside from the first half against Liverpool, first leg where they lost three, they were, they didn't play anything else. And somehow, even in this game, they were massively outplayed until they, they scored one of the luckiest goals. Time there was a cross Porto could not do it, and the ball just hit Griezmann and went in. At the moment that happened, like you were like, oh god, this they 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 are, they are about to do it. Like some for some reason they are about. To find their way through, and they did. But and for some reason, Porto just seemed to lose their composure and lose their head after that went in, and they, it just looked like a different thing. Because to, to the someone that didn't watch the game, when you see the result three one, you be like, oh, let's go Madrid. Was it run at the main result? Let's go Madrid. No, it wasn't. Like the result doesn't tell the story at all. Porto were in control, were in charge of the entire game, and looked like a better. Griezmann scored. Carrasco gets sent off. One way or the other, Correa. Scores another goal, then there was Saul. Let's say Saul was already good. The power, it just felt like Porto were unlucky on the level. And let's come found the greedy, greediest way they had to dig deep to dig out the result that their play did not deserve. And now, with the second round playoffs, controls coming, second round coming in February, and let's come might suddenly become that team everybody doesn't want to play because they might yeah, find that's the worst. But I think they, they, have, they haven't, they've never won the Champions League. So I think it will be the most athletic Madrid team of all time if they went to win the Champions League this week. Like, yes, that ultimately they, they came back and they basically grounded their way out of, of the group. And generally, if you put them against side like Juventus, you, you I think you, you generally fancy them to go to Juventus as looks place and a lot can happen between now and February. Now that's definitely that's another issue. There are other groups whereby obviously Man City and PSG finished first and second in were absolutely perfect. Like it's in Milan, let's say that Liverpool and Chelsea players. Milan just showed up and we were like, you know, we're happy to be here. We're from so we'll take whatever it is that's giving. Yeah, and I think it's the story is the story of Milan's Champions League season. Was there were three different games where they laid. So that means they could have, they could have had 13 points. They even finished top of the group, but they, they finished bottom and he went out. Like, I think the greatest irony in that, over the years, when Milan won the Champions League, the acquisition of Wales, um, they, were, they, had, they had pensioners, Cedo, Cipillo. Now, 
they have it. They have, it's it's they have Zlatan. They have a very uh, inexperienced team. Like they, they lose their heads so easily. Like they could have beaten Atletico in the first game, but Kessie lost his head against Liverpool uh, Anfield. They got they lost concentration massively and they lost the game. The, the, the same basically since it happened again on Tuesday. I think that they probably look at if they, they end up failing to win, if they end up not winning this year, that would be the reason again, like last year, where inexperience counted against them when it when got. Yeah, and I think it also to speak to something about uh, the limit of Pioli as a manager. Like, you can't really get them over the line. That's well, no, experience no, no, how things are going wrong. No European competition for them. Anyway, yeah, which I think that has a benefit. There's no, they have yeah, no they so they are just. Week, weekly games this now. So we'll interesting to see how that goes. Moving on to group C, it has to be like the biggest surprise. I knew when I saw this group, I was thinking, okay, Dortmund first, maybe Ajax, and then Sporting and Besiktas. One way or the other, Ajax defeated everybody convincingly. Didn't just beat one team one, right? like, oh, thank you. Mm-mm. Convincingly, Dortmund were completely trashed. Woman and by Ajax, Sporting Lisbon, the same thing. Let's never talk about Benfica. They had zero points. So this is now, this is where the head to head. It becomes interesting for me. Like, obviously, you know, you have to give away the way goal, which was very stupid. But the head is still around at the count because Sporting victory over Dortmund on home soil ensured that the final match day was just a dead draw. But they knew they had finished second, and Dortmund knew they were just playing for pride. Yeah, and I think the Dortmund, Dortmund's case, uh, I've said it before, he was very surprised because they won their first two games and they won those first two games comfortably as well. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, by March, they finally were out. Back to Ajax. Then they lost, as in, they were absolutely screwed in the first leg against Ajax. And I think what Ajax has done is very impressive because basically they've had to rebuild again. Mm-hmm. They've had to rebuild the team again, like from the 2019. And they, I think they look better now because um, in 2019, they didn't have a, they, they, they used Tadis as a first nine. Yes, there was no problem. Neres and running. Mm-hmm. Now they have Salah. Salah has 10 goals in Champions League yeah. already. Like 10 like goals. You have, you have, you so have he's every game. Yeah, equally around. And Hala, you have players like Anthony on the wings, Israel and Gravenberg in the middle of the park. So this this feels like a better team, but the draws will definitely tell. Um, In Group D, Real Madrid, all of us, we all love Sheriff and what they did, but they have to go to the Europa League. At some point, on Tuesday, we were wondering, Inter in the first half completely outplayed Madrid. But in typical Inter fashion, they considered one nil and went in at the break. And they were like, okay, one one nil. And they started to come off again, they were playing well. Typical Inter fashion, Barella gets sent off. Thank you very much. I've lost the game again. It's basically a copy copy, a carbon copy of what happened last season. Whereby they played the better team against Real Madrid San Siro. And then Vida got sent off. And then they lost, and then they, cap- they capitulated. I think this time the only saving is okay, they are already true. And mm-hmm. since they are in such good form, like the way they are playing, like the way they absolutely decimated Roma in the weekend, they thought, oh, yes, this is this is a team, serious, serious one. The, the worry is that if they play in the knockout phase, they are going to play, they, go, they are probably going to face a very strong team. And if they lose yeah. their head, they are gone. If they lose their head for one minute, they are out. So, sometimes they just feel like they like it because. In this game, watching this game, my Real Madrid's quality in the final third just showed. Anytime Madrid had the ball in the break, likes of Asensio, Rodrigo, Tony Cruz, you could see that they had that extra quality. The like the coaching, you could see that okay, Inter were a well-coached team, like the way they played. They just didn't have the quality in the final third to kill off the game, and Real Madrid did. And now, but at the end of the day, they've qualified and Sheriff moved to the Europa League. We've spoken about Bayern and Benfica, obviously, because 
Bayern Munich really are going to maximum point, <laughs> while Barcelona has to go to the Europa League. Manchester United brought out their kids. They've already secured qualification on um, March Day 5 ahead of Villarreal and Atalanta. But the most surprising result to be today, the game yesterday was postponed. And if I was a betting man, probably would have said Atalanta on home soil, Villarreal have been struggling in the Champions League and in the league for goals, no one in a while. But somehow, Villarreal granted the result and they finished second ahead of Atalanta. Yeah, the worst thing was even when Villarreal went through Europe and then Atlanta scored one, seven, twice. I was like, well, they could, they could still do it because it's at, at, at Atlanta. They always score goals. And I think they are probably the most well-coached team in Europe because they could lose. They, they've had so many injury problems in Champions League this season. And yet, they just, it's like basically plug and play. And to an, to an extent, they have the same, the same to blame because if they have killed off any of those matches against United, yeah, against they, will, United they probably will be in this situation. Yeah. And, and which is what makes a United finish the group a bit fun because on paper it looks like yes, they lost one game, they drew twice they and rest. But it seems that in Magic two, Magic three, and Magic four, they were struggling. They needed basically they needed Ronaldo be out those three games, so it could easily have been a different story. But, yeah, they could easily have lost to uh, Atalanta bootlegs, lost to and Villarreal, and that, and that would have been it. But I think what worked in their favor now is that there's a strong chance um, ranking could have gotten the team up to up, up to the gears by February. So I think they will be they might be a different proposition by then. In, in, the, in Group G, Group G has to be like the biggest surprise. Looking at the group, they're like, okay. Sevilla will probably end up finishing first. Then Wolfsburg, and Lille will probably struggle for second position. But when you look, when you saw the way Wolfsburg, were, uh, Lille started the season in the French league, you're like Wolfsburg will probably end up finishing second. Then Salzburg might finish fourth and what have you. Surprise, surprise! Lille, who are struggling like crazy in French league, finished top of the group with 11 points. Salzburg, who had no chance, who I give no chance to finish second with 10, and Sevilla are back to where they belong in the Europa League. Like probably just go. Home. Yeah, and the and the whole group is incredibly fun. Because I said it's um, when I wrote about Champions League this weekend. Like the group is like the finals in reservoir drops when everybody pointing the gun at each other. Because going to, going into matches, everybody could go through. And yeah. from the beginning, it looked like was the first three games they didn't win any game. They didn't win anything. They were bottom. There was a point where by Sevilla were second. Even Wolfsburg looked temporarily top. Then after Magic 4, like, oh, maybe Sevilla out, maybe Wolfsburg and Salzburg. By Magic 5, that thing again. And then this, and then by Magic 6, this happened as well. I think to an extent, Sevilla has themselves to blame because they had a very yeah, good chance they, against Yeah, they didn't they win against Salzburg. Salzburg and they could just and win they, had the them, they had that money chance. It was basically an open goal and then he had it. And then, like, 50, like 15 seconds later, Salzburg went to score the only goal and that was it. That was basically it. In group H, oh, this has to be like one of the funniest groups because after Chelsea lost to Juve on um, at the Juventus Stadium in Italy, you were like, okay, Chelsea will probably need the victory to get to top this group against Juventus. And match the five, they completely screwed Juve. Like they completely played them out of the park, schooled them, and you're like, okay, Chelsea, Chelsea will probably go to Russia, get what they get the all important three points and win the group. But instead. They've considered six goals in their last two games. They're considering goals for fun. Now they find themselves in second place. Why do you want to find themselves in first place? Chelsea have to be hoping and praying that, okay, like every other team that's finished second. Like, can we just have a lead? We all want happy, to be uh, happy. <laughs> and the, I think like Chelsea are starting to show like flaws in their side. Like 
okay, it's one thing for to have to have had attacking issues. Like we knew that was, that was the problem. They didn't, they haven't, they haven't really constructed the attack. But the problem is the defense that that is true assured over the over the since uh-huh. to go to to chat the past four games now they're making some silly silly mistakes. And the crazy thing that this this is a group about with two teams who are not who don't really look convincing. Like Chelsea. Just don't look invincible as they used to. And Juventus they have not convinced one. Despite the fact that they won four games, they haven't convinced anybody. Like, the way they play is very, very drab. Like, I, I think they benefited from the idea that you have, you are in a group with Malmo and, um, as anything, Petersburg. Yeah, def- definitely. Definitely. I think, I, think they, I think if they were in a, like, if they were the one in Liverpool's group and not playing, I think they would have gone out. Uh-huh. the way they played and the crazy thing that um we said that um they went for allegri because allegri is not does not do philosophy doesn't do identity like yeah, yeah, pragmatic and, it just and, me, yeah. and the thing that if you are selling if your sell is that i'm pragmatic i just get results i am not getting results that's the basically those are grand for second because you can't say oh yes this will take time this will come good <laughs> the point that what you are what you are telling us that you don't do it you don't do any of those that once the results come in you get even with one goal wins and everything, and they're struggling in the league. They're unconfident in the Champions League, and the the weird thing is that this would have this would probably have been a better thing for Pilot coach and Allegri because they are younger, like they are more moldable. If, At some point, if it was the Kelini Bonuki, pianist Pogba time, oh yes, uh, this this are like they know how to grind out these things. At some point, if Juventus don't get sanctions off the field because they're obviously being investigated again because. I wonder what the club, what what, what their club is financially. They are, they, are, they are being investigated for financial fraud of the pitch. If they find a way to escape sanctions from that, you just need to tell themselves the truth that the club is in dire need of a rebuke. This idea of okay, Bonucci and Kelly, yes, they've done their part, everything, Allegri, Juventus, um, the powers that be, when when the powers that be, Nedved, Magnelli, um, and Co need to tell themselves that okay, it's time. Like we can't keep postponing this and keep it. It's time. Yes, you are giving a new contract to Paulo Dybala, who sometimes like it just flatters to deceive. It's not. It doesn't score enough goals to be a number nine. It doesn't create enough to be a number ten. Yeah, and the worst part. So our next thing you see the um, focal point of the like team like they look close without. Yes. Like you can't say you look close without you have the player. You have the player that is thoroughly inconsistent. And the, the weird part about UV's entire rebuild is that it's not just that they need this on and off. I think they need it everywhere. Because even to an extent, Paratici and Nelvin and Anneli probably even need to go themselves. Yeah, like because you could see they probably need to go. We know, we know the Agnelli family runs Juventus, so all the best trying to tell Andrea Agnelli to leave the team that his family owns and stuff. Maybe they need fresh ideas because I, I understand you want to keep the ballad and Sometimes I just see that it doesn't offer you enough goals to become a number nine, and it doesn't create enough to become a number ten. Yes, Juventus have finished; like, they finish first, like top of the group. If they meet PSG, I'm betting my money on PSG in the second round. Like that, that's how it is. You might run, you might run into a team that will probably change everything for them in the, in the next round. Uh, speaking yeah, of and... in the next round, go on, go on. Yeah, and the thing about um, Juventus as well is that Dybala uh, is not staying fit. Um, and a lot of their response, the rest of the responsibility falls on Kiesa. And to an extent, the way they play, the, the way they play the four four two narrow four four two, they mostly need Kiesa to to, yes. to to play both both flats at the same time, and it can't work. Because now, 
it seems like since Allegri came in with the old four four two 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 like the four two 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 narrow formation, it seems like now Kiesa is not the player he was last year anymore. Like he's not that same Kiesa of last season that could run at people. Now he has to do different things. Sometimes play as a striker. It just feels like okay, what exactly are we doing? Are we buying the right players for the right manager, or are we just buying players for the sake of buying them? Oh, Locatelli is the best. Italian midfielder this season. Let's go and pay. Let's go and buy. We'll pay them next year. Kiesa is the best young talent in the year. Let's go and pay. Buy him. We'll pay them two years time. So the the entire the makeup of the team seems very very disjointed. And there's the issue of okay, Delit has been there since 2019. It's coming up towards the end of his contract very soon, and everything is pointing towards Delit telling the Juventus hierarchy that um. I really don't want to be here anymore because he hasn't hit the height that we all expected. Whether that's his fault, whether that's the fault of the environment or the coaching change, because he's had three coaches of he has had four coaches or, or three coaches in the space of three years that he has been there. So he's like a coach every year for every season that he has found himself in Juventus. Yeah, and none of them has none of them has worked because even even the the coaches generally none of their plans have worked, and I feel like to and. I think that's that's three years of the league development. So I suppose that probably gone down the drain because he has not looked steady at all. And you, and you could you could tell when when we saw when you saw him at the Euros, like oh yes, this is not the same guy at Ajax. Like it was obvious. Okay, now I'm sure every other team. Manchester have Manchester finished top of group despite losing two games. They lost to PSG and also Leipzig, Leipzig, which was a dead rubber game on Tuesday. But so far they've looked like the best team alongside Liverpool. They look like the best team. In the Champions League, Ajax also have maximum points, but I'm sure all the teams that finish second will be looking at themselves and going, I don't want City or Liverpool, at least not yet. And definitely, I don't think anything wants Liverpool at any time because Liverpool's <laughs> form is incredible. Like uh, the game against Wolves is the only, I think, it's the only away game where they scored less than two. Even the games wow. they've lost away from where they scored at least twice. But Ramadid and Bayern can also, obviously, no one wants to play Bayern. So, as far as Liverpool playing Man City, you don't want to play Bayern yet. Because you might, you might go home faster than you think. But Ramadida is another team that you look at and because of Ancelotti, Benzema coming back by February, obviously back by February. Madrid is another team that you don't want to play when come second round. Yeah, but I feel like um, to an extent with Madrid is that you can tell that, yes, this team is overperforming. Like... Basically, like, like in a purple patch, like everything that's striking works. Like it's like the um, period where everything around the did was a goal. Like they can't really. It's not a sustainable form. There will be there will be a dip at some point. That's, maybe that's probably the only thing you can say. Oh yes, against Madrid, but they're still they're still probably the most Champions League team out there. Like women, they just they just they know how to win. Wow. Um. One way or the other, the draws will not be made until Monday, so we can't really talk about the draws until next week. So I'm sure by then we would have a clear idea of who plays who, who, because I have a feeling that something something else might be thrown into the spanners this time around. Um, away from the, the um, Champions League to the UEFA Women's Champions League, as if beating Arsenal like they stole money wasn't enough in the opening day. Barcelona went to the Emirates and said, oh, you know that's what I did in the first league? We'll do it again. Do you understand? We'll just come here, dismantle you guys and show the reason why we're the best women's team in the world at this point in time. Yeah, and they're not even, they're not letting up. And the way um, Barca plays, like, I think like it's sweet. They can just, they can turn it on and turn it on whenever they want. Like, 
sometimes if sometimes if this if you score a personal might will be like yes maybe they're doing it they're doing you a favor like wow. yeah, I don't know what you just get one was was first I think the, the even the first leg was even more comprehensive the fact that the score was small like this the second leg was a bigger score I think the first leg was it was so comprehensive like oh yes like and once you play when you when you play Barcelona the way they move the ball like barely five minutes in, you're already suffocating and exhausted like, and you're wondering ah you can't you can't you can't continue this for 19 minutes so that is no this is not a sustainable plan the way the way they play you can tell uh, no this is you can't keep this up it's not possible now obviously we expect both teams to qualify and make it to the next round while Leon one way or the other absolutely smart with Benfica today, you expect things like Leon to make it to the next round as well. As for Chelsea, Chelsea play, play Wolfsburg tomorrow. Yes, Chelsea play Wolfsburg tomorrow in match the five. And one way or the other, you have to look at it that Chelsea have been an outstanding team this in the in their group this year. The biggest disappointment for Wolfsburg is that Chelsea were lucky to draw them in the first leg. But since then, they've taken a downturn. They, they lost to Juventus on home soil. They, not, they threw away two goal lead to Juventus away from home. They've only beaten Servet in the group. So now, their fate is obviously still in their hands. But with the way the group is set out, you expect Juventus to beat Servet tomorrow. If, the way it works, if Wolfsburg don't beat Chelsea tomorrow, you just know that, okay, any chance of making it to the knockout stage is gone. Yeah, and the crazy, uh, not that they've gone downhill since then, is that Chelsea have picked themselves up. Like, it's almost like, it almost, it almost feel like Chelsea needed that 3 3 draw to remind them that, oh, yes, there were still points to improve. And with MIAs as a manager, I, they're, they're the kind of thing that once they see an error, they correct it immediately. Like, when they, when they played Arsenal in the league, there was um, Arsenal exploited flaws of the team, and then they met in the FA Cup final. And, and suddenly, Arsenal, Arsenal looked at it, oh, those flaws didn't exist anymore. But they had corrected that and they dismantled Arsenal in, in, in tournaments. Now, tomorrow with Wolfsburg, I feel like, and ultimately, they have been like, how is Wolfsburg's, who is Wolfsburg's top man, like, top, top woman, top striker at the point. And I'm, I, I really worry for Wolfsburg. I, I said it earlier, yes, I had a feeling that maybe Juventus will be able to go out. Yes, you went to store that point against Wolfsburg as well. And because you just now, say, oh, yeah, way, maybe, maybe. The way the group can't. stands is Chelsea have 11 points. They, they are, they're probably going to, they're going to play Wolfsburg on the final. They know fully well that their fate is in their hands. A draw would see them go through. Wolfsburg defeated Savage yesterday. Wolfsburg are second tied on level on points to Juventus. Juventus also have eight points. But Juventus know they play Savage next week. Knowing fully well that they beat Savage, they're going to qualify. Someone between Chelsea and Wolfsburg is probably going to be found wanting. Yeah, and, so, and I don't think it's going to be most Chelsea, likely going to be Wolfsburg. Yeah, because Chelsea have a better head to head record with, than Juventus. So Chelsea know fully well that even if Juventus end up pick, picking up 11 points, they will still qualify ahead of Juventus. Wolfsburg are the team that knows that, okay, if we beat Juventus, if we, if we end up beating Chelsea, despite the fact that Juventus have a better head, the head to head becomes neutral. It becomes an issue of goals, which is something Chelsea has seemed to have in abundance. Same way Wolfsburg. So now the group is all makes for an interesting watch itself. Now, both all three teams could end up with 11 points. And then at the end of the day, Juventus might still end up going up. In the other group, PSG are even, they've been nothing short of outstanding this year. Jordan Hitema and, and, and crew have just been massive. They, they defeated Madrid twice. Madrid have defeated 
and Zelo Bord and Breda mm-hmm. so far. So both teams have qualified. Madrid and Paris are through to the next round. The same thing can be said for Barcelona, who have maximum points, like 15 points in Group C, over ahead of Arsenal. Arsenal know that right now, the most important thing for them is that they are second nine points, three points ahead of Hufainheim, and they travel to face Hufainheim on the final match day, knowing that a draw would do the job for them. But if they are not careful, if they lose the game, they might find themselves out of the Champions League, which would be a massive disappointment for one of the best things in English football, English women's football. Yeah, I don't. I think I think Arsenal have more enough to see off Oppenheim and definitely go through. I think one of the things that will be most interesting about Champions League, the women's Champions League, is when it gets to the knockout stage because they're going to see as in, like, the, the prospect of some wonderful ties lay ahead. Like one of Chelsea and or Wolfsburg or Juventus could face, like you could see PSG or Barcelona, and the prospect of that, or even you could even say Arsenal could face PSG. Yeah, and and that it, is, it does and look that. it looks wonderful. It was just wonderful too. Well, anyway, um, just before we call it quits, our one about nothing predictions for this week comes next week. Actually, the women's game between Wolfsburg and Chelsea. Um, Wolfsburg will have the tag white. White Chelsea have the tag blue. Predict the accurate scoreline between the UEFA Women's Champions League game next week Thursday between Wolfsburg and Chelsea. I stand the chance. To win a sum of three thousand naira. Um. Anyway, like I said, do you guys know the rules? Reply, tag five people, use the hashtag on about nothing predictions, and stand a chance to win three thousand naira for predicting the game between Wolfsburg and Chelsea using the correct tags. Um. I'm afraid that's all we can have for tonight. Thank you so much, Kunle, for being here. Yes. Thank you for having. Thanks for having me. I'm sure. Um, we are sure. We, we, are sh- we know. We know why Bollies couldn't be here. So I don't think. But I don't think we have an explanation for the others. So. I'm sure by next week when we have the Europa League draw, we'll be able to come and defend the team whether they are playing West Ham or not. Either way, until next week we'll get to talk about the Champions League second round and quarter final draws. Hopefully by that time we don't end up with a draw like and let's come and against Manchester United. It's a game that probably bore all of us. I think it's probably the most haram, the most haram, the haram, most haram that will ever happen in Europe this season. <laughs> well, until then, have a lovely weekend to our listeners that day. Cheers, guys. Yeah, stay safe, everyone.